What's going on, everyone? Mark Bonhorn here, and I'm sitting by with my Finding Strong podcast co-host, Patrick Gates. And on today's episode, episode 45, we dive into the mental side of accomplishment. So we're looking at the tenacity, the grit, um, the mental fortitude, strength, and willpower required to achieve things at a high level, whether it be your next ultra endurance event, that job interview, your competitive team sport, or just whatever personal goals that you want to accomplish, or maybe just find general success in life. Uh, we try to link it as best we can with some examples that we've had, whether it be in Pat's career success, my career success, um, our shared time playing soccer at a pretty high level, or in our own separate journeys and ways of finding strong now. Either way, we hope you find it really effective. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. This is episode 45. All in. Right, give me wealth and real life and then mix it together like popcorn and butter ride over the top of a T.O. sitting I talk to Rio listening to music like that old in the city Rio's pretty females all in my life yeah that's how it had to be so now I call on my wife give me my order organic I need my border Hispanic I mean I love it in Cali but out in Maui Hey everyone, welcome to the Finding Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Gates, sitting here with Coach Mark Bottenhorn. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on, Pat? Uh, you know, pretty good. Pretty good up in your Detroit. How's everything, uh, how's your training going down there in Texas? Really good. I'm averaging about 80 plus miles a week. Uh, super hot, super humid. Um, overall, living the dream. Living the dream, no complaints at all. Going through the motions, winning the day, checking off the boxes each day, uh, performing at a high level, and I'm having a whole lot of fun and excitement in my life. Yes, sir. For the first time in a long time, man. I'm, I'm feeling feeling energized, feeling recharged. Good, man. That's always good to hear. Up here in Detroit, the weather's been uh, hit or miss. It's either been like raining or it's been cloudy, but the good thing is it's been, you know, between 50 and 60 degrees every day. So that's the, that's the main thing. We're getting warmer up here. You know, the good thing about that. And, uh, I told my athlete, George, this, who is in Chicago up in the Midwest there by you and it's pouring rain. And he said, do I have to go run today or can I just push us back to next week? And I said, no, we're not going to run. We're not going to push your long run back to two long runs next week. That, that sounds insane. And I said, go outside and run. It's probably like 40 degrees and rainy. You'll survive. Pretend you're in a sauna, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of it. It's in, it's in your mind, man. If it's cold, just pretend you're in a sauna and you'll be all good. The truth was, though, it was 65 degrees and raining in Chicago. So that's even I better. Said, George, what are, yeah, I said, what are you doing? That's even better, man. Get, out, get outside. And then he went and set a half marathon PR. So congrats on that. Yeah, man. You know, some people feel the rain. Others just get wet. Right. It's the mentality. It's the mentality. Um, if your brain is on the beach, man, you're in the beach. That's the way it goes. And that's uh, what we're going to talk about today, right? We're going to talk about yep. harnessing the tenacity, the grit uh, necessary to succeed not only in endurance, ultra-endurance events, sports, but also in life in general. Yeah, yeah. This is one of my favorite topics because, as you know, Patrick, I am persistent. Yeah, yes, you are. And annoying. And Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, when I do something, though, you got to give me credit. I go all in. That's true. That's true. 
I've never anything you've ever ever done throughout my whole my whole entire life. It's 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 one thousand percent. It's never half ass. It's always whole ass. Right. Well, Patrick, I'm not the type of guy to go, you know, and swing around a 15 pound kettlebell. I like to get it done. <laughs> yeah. You know, funny story. I was at the store the other day at Meyer, um, and it's curious. I went into like the little fitness section to see like what they have made. Cause I, I was thinking about getting another like muscle roller or whatever. And, uh, there's no dumbbells, but there was, uh, two 10 pound kettlebells. And I was like, I might as well get the, might as well get the whole set, bro. <laughs> Yeah, fucking... you could uh, you could fuse all three of them together for a true. Uh... <laughs> oh some... man, that'd be perfect. Folks, have... Patrick is a, a a just a shining example of mental strength, but he could be pound for pound one of the weakest individuals on earth. Is, I don't know any. That's the biggest biggest <laughs> biggest lie ever. But you know what? We're adaptable, and that's what it's all about. Yep. You can get better, Pat. You can move past that 15-pound kettlebell. I, I, and that's what I love. I agree. <laughs> All right, cool. I got one really quick little funny story before we, before we get on. Um, today I was looking at uh, snake stuff, particularly venomous snake stuff. It's a long story. I don't want to explain it. But um, they were talking about how a king snake effectively is um, It's like immune to rattlesnake venom. So it ends up killing rattlesnakes and eating them. So king snakes are good for the uh, local environment there. And this guy said, I've got a brilliant idea. We should find a way to, to, to sequence the, the DNA of the king snake, and then we can create a vaccine for people for rattlesnakes, a rattlesnake vaccine. And like 26 people die in the country every year of rattlesnake bites. Most of them are people who are in like – Southern Baptist churches handing around snakes who wouldn't take vaccines anyway. <laughs> um, so I pointed that out and I said, I don't think there's 300 and almost, you know, through almost 335 million people in the United States. And if, if only 20 something die a year of snake bites, I don't think it's a real thing we need to worry about. Yeah, I, and particularly, I don't think anyone in the Midwest and the East coast really needs to worry about <laughs> fucking rattlesnakes. No, most people haven't seen a rattlesnake in their life, and if they have, they probably didn't get bit by it. And if they did get bit, they probably survived. So I don't think we need to take preventative action against snake bites <laughs> as a nation. And I said that, and he called me an anti-vaxxer. And I was like, no, I have all my vaccines. I believe in vaccines. I think they're great. I just, I, I just don't think we, I don't believe. I just don't believe in your bozo idea. Yeah, we don't. I don't think we need to spend hundreds of millions of dollars developing a snake bite vaccine. <laughs> we already have anti-venom. I get by the snake. <laughs> we have the cure. Uh, so anyway, that was my, that was my short little brief cruise on the internet today. And I said, okay, I better log off for the day. <laughs> I have like, I was insulted. I just, yeah, I just would I'm, I'll take all vaccines that are necessary. I will not take a rattlesnake vaccine. I'm right in rattlesnake country. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. And it's, it's great. It's a great example of you, you know, using that, having that mental toughness to get right off, the, right off the Facebooks when you need, when you need to. Yes. Yes. Not my proudest moment. Um, but yeah, you know, as my grandpa said, never argue with an idiot because you always lose. And I was like, yeah, he's, you know, my grandpa's right in this point. Like, no matter what you say, like, it just yeah. doesn't work. It's all right. Oh. Yeah. It's quite all right. Anyway. But anyways, anyways, stay up with snake venom. Um, okay, so yeah, let's jump into this mental toughness podcast. Pat, do, what are some techniques that you've used in the past to maybe hone in some mental strength or sharpen your mental 
uh, strengths? So for me, like it's, it's always, you know, it's like trial and error, just trying a bunch of different things, you know, that, that, that can work for you. And uh, I'm just going to share a couple of things that I found, you know, throughout, you know, the years and the end on the internet that I think work best for me. And obviously you do your own research and uh, find out kind of what works for you. And uh, hopefully you can use some of the things that I do and it also works for you. That'd be great. Um, but don't take everything I say with, uh, you know, as a certainty because, you know, I'm not that smart. Um, that's, that's true. Wise, humble of you to admit that, Patrick. <laughs> I just know what works for me. And uh, so one of the things that um, I find that really, really works is writing it out. So just whether it's like just keep, I keep like a daily log of uh, something, you know, that like made me happy throughout the day or something that I can track. Um, so basically just like tracking my progress with like runs uh, track my progress with like just this little things that um, I, I know throughout the day, or if I have like an idea, I can jot that down for the podcast or whatever. Um, at the end, at the end of the day, uh, I sit down and like, that's when I really like log, log my whole day, um, you know, and you can kind of like, you can keep, you can't keep your like thoughts just swirling around in your head. And if you even, especially if there's like negative thoughts, um, write all that stuff down, just get it out. Um, because if you just sit there and it's going to eat at you and you're just going to be thinking about it all the time and just writing it out, it's, it's, it's like a segue. Um, so that's, so you can use that. Um, and, and just, you know, tracking your progress. Um, so like, like if I wanted to like say, um, I want, I've been trying to work on something for work and, write that goal down, a little, little small, simple goal. And then in a month, I can look back and see what I did each day to, to get better each day. So it's a, in that part, it can, it can, you can start building your self-confidence like that too. So that's one thing that I've been doing that kind of helping is writing it out. I like that. I, um, I do something really similar called an after-action report. Um, and basically uh, what I do at the end of the night is I reflect on things that I did objectively uh, throughout the day, like things I did really well, things I didn't do such a good job at. I don't beat myself up over it, but I do note it and say I want to be better at this, this, and this tomorrow. I put like mm -hmm. a quick checklist of some things I want to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, then I have that ready to be filled out the next day. And it's a really good way to reflect objectively and see, um, you know, what, what can I do better? What did I do really good at? And, and, um, you know, am I, am I really on the way to accomplishing my goals and are, are all my decisions, uh, in line with my goals? Because if they're not getting me close to my goals, as we know, I kind of eliminate it. So I think that's a good one that you add right there. And when I was interviewing for my job, obviously, as you know, it's a very competitive interview with like, yeah. you know, and, he said, you know, how are you at filling your, your, your reporting? Because like when there's a lot of traveling, obviously it can be, it can be tough uh, filling out so many reports. And I said, well, I, I re I'd fill out an after action log of every report I do at night, uh, you know, on my own personal stuff and all this stuff. And that was one of the things that was, he was like, wow, if you do that, you're going to have no problem with our reports. Yeah, so sure. I think that was something that helped me in my career as well. Yeah, definitely. And the next, the next one that um, I still, I'm still trying to work really, really hard at, um, is, is meditating. Uh, you know, there's like, there's a ton of research out there, you know, showing the benefits, you know, re reducing stress, anxiety, um, just feeling more calm throughout the day. Uh, that's something I've been trying like a lot harder to do. Um, it's meditating is, 
it's actually way harder than you think it is. It's not just just sitting there and whatever. It's it's because you're just alone with your thoughts, I guess. But um, there's like different things I use, like uh, the Calm app, using apps or like just listening to uh, different like pi- uh, like calm, like meditation podcasts that that help. So you can kind of look through that stuff and see how uh, that stuff will work for you. I know I the, the Calm app I use for like the like sleep the sleep part of it. And that's been helping a lot with my, with my sleep and getting enough sleep has been, um, really, really great to help with my mental toughness. Cause if I wake up tired or if I don't get in the, the adequate sleep, I am grumpy and I'm not getting the good enough workouts I want. I'm not like, I'm not feeling up to standard with my runs and I'm not, I don't feel like just feeling lazy if I don't get the, the enough sleep. So that's been helping a lot. Okay. That's good. Do you, so do you think that this stuff's kind of helped you in the, uh, in the current situation with the pandemic and the isolation and. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause there, there's, there's times I caught myself just, just pacing in my, in my apartment, just like feeling like anxious. Cause like I'm not going out and like going to the gym and like being able to go hang out with friends and just like go to someone's house. So yeah, the meditation has been, has been awesome. Good. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've struggled with trying to make meditation a more prominent, uh, part of my daily routine. Um, and I think if anybody wants an example of, of like how challenging it can be, um, try to clear your, clear your mind completely and count to 10. Um, it's nearly impossible to, and so it's definitely a skill that you have to hone and a craft that you have to hone. Yeah. Um, so I think that is oftentimes, uh, kind of, under underrated or underappreciated the ability to be able to do that but it's something that i'm working uh more towards adding to my day um one thing i have been able to do is add more mindfulness into my day um particularly while i'm running and things like that like recently i've just had some some like just some shift in in life events i guess i would say and um it's allowed me to like really fall into like daydreams while running and that's almost been meditative and transcendent in some ways Right, because we, nice. uh, we have so many freaking distractions uh, in, our, in our lives, whether it's, you know, social media, uh, emails, uh, work stuff, um, whatever it is, um, you know, meditating kind of like is starting to like block a lot of that stuff out so you feel more at ease. And then when you go on your runs for, this, for your mental toughness, you're not thinking of those distractions. You're just focused on your run and, and focus on, you know, getting through it and doing what you need to do. Where like if you're distracted, especially with like this other stuff, you can you can lose focus and you can like, well, maybe I can just cut this one short and you can build up that mental toughness to keep on pushing through. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. And so with that being said, um, I really want to use this as a segue into obviously some of the stuff that's my uh, uh, favorite. And, and I know that the stuff that we were just talking about is very valuable, but I want to talk about what you can do to kind of develop the all in mentality required to be successful and what you want to do and accomplish your goals, because that fires me up. Um, as we just said, I live life, uh, kind of all in like all or nothing. And it leads to a lot of heartbreak and despair, but it also leads to, um, a lot of triumph and a lot of success. And, uh, for me, I'm one of the most competitive people on earth. Right. Yeah. Uh, yep, and yep. you, and you know that, I mean, I whooped your ass in several things. <laughs> so you you sit on the other end of this, no, and you can vouch for it. Oh boy, oh brother. And uh, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to. Everybody already knows. Sure, um, sure they but, do. Sure they do. 
<laughs> but when I get okay, enough with the jokes, Patrick. Uh, when I get, well, you know, sometimes like I think early on in my coaching career, like we got to think back to 2008 when I was um, rather, uh, you know more focus on the muscle and strength portion of it. I fell into working or programming um, strength training for triathletes and fairly competitive triathletes. And I, and I worked with several groups of them every week at the, at the fitness training facility I was at. And, um, you know, probably ever since, you know, I've been in coaching and, and even to now, I mean, we're going on 13 years I've, I've been coaching or training in some capacity. And, um, because I'm so competitive and I'll run my head through a wall to, to try to compete and, and try to win. Um, and sometimes I need, I realize I need to do a better job of shutting that off. And sometimes like for me, winning means like maybe I'm, I don't think I'm enough. Um, but if I beat you at something, if I, if, if I win, if I win the race or whatever it may have been, then you can't take that away from me. Right. Right. But that didn't, that didn't do anything for me deep down because I still didn't believe I was enough, but either way I've developed this really competitive mindset. And sometimes athletes will, will or would have came to me in the past and i had trouble initially maybe empathizing with with their situation where they'd say hey you know what i'm really tired after work and i don't feel like getting out for a run today and i would just i wouldn't understand that and then and then i realized all the stressors and all the things that go into life and i also realized in the same breath that that these people are employing me to to help them with this so i i developed a few kind of uh, things to maybe make them a little bit or to help them and myself become a little bit more mentally resilient. Yeah. Um, because what you look at happens, uh, like it can be really hard to train after work. If you miss your training session before work and you normally do like the, the likelihood of you actually training after work becomes, um, even lower. And yep. if, if you look at that, so it can really spiral out of control. So just as building those really good atomic habits that we talk about, or James clear talks about in his book that can, snowball into something really positive um the negative habits can kind of expose you and snowball you into a negative way so um you know like what might happen is if you don't feel like doing something one day okay it's not the end of the world right but when you continuously string those things together um then it becomes really hard because what's happening is you're letting the stressors from your daily life whether it be work whether it be school whatever it is um, you're letting your emotions control you and you're not able to actually train or get the things done that you need to do or get the homework done that you need to do. And that can spiral out of control because when you're in the passenger seat and your emotions are driving, we all know that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, definitely. Um, so to do that, you kind of have to reverse engineer. Um, and one of the things that I've come up with is, and I, I don't, I don't want to say that I've come up with this because I haven't researched it, but I'm sure somebody else probably came up with this before me. But uh, one thing is kind of just creating a. It seems very simple, actually. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind creating, of like, a, like kind of like a stoicism. I, I suppose uh, <laughs> being being a, being a stoic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, for me, I think like even more. I would go even further than that, actually, and I, or in, in a different route than that. And I would say uh, building a contract with yourself. Um, I knew that I needed to increase my training. I knew that I was underachieving running 60-something miles a week, particularly when my body, can, my body can handle the rigors, the stressors of, of more training and needs more training to compete at the level I do. Um, so I made a commitment to myself, like no matter how early on in this, in this uh, pandemic, no matter how bad I was struggling, no matter how bad I was worried about losing my career, no matter what, I was going to go out and get a minimum of 10, day, 10 miles in every time I ran. And I, I, I said it in my head. I basically shook my hands in my head, and that was it. 
and and when I did that, I didn't look back. And now, obviously, there are going to be there are going to be situations where I or I wasn't going to, you know, like if I'm hurt, I'm not going to go out and run ten miles because I'm not going to sacrifice right. for the you know the greater goal. But what I did is I made that I made that deal with myself. I made that contract with myself, and it's driven by my why. Like, why do I do things? I want to push my limits to be the best I can. I want to prove to myself I can be stronger. I want to show other people that they're capable of things that they couldn't otherwise imagine. So I'm very in tune with my why. And when you're guided by your why, it becomes really easy to honor that contract with yourself. So um, I created the contract that I was going to run a minimum of 10 miles a day, knowing that at least two days a week, I was going to get a long run in, knowing that probably two or three other days of the week, there was going to be longer than 10 miles. The baseline minimum was 10 miles. Um, never thought about it again. Never did I go under 10 miles. Uh, didn't think about it. Like if you commit to, to saying you're going to go out and do this and that's fine. And there are times where I slept in. Uh, there are times where I didn't get up when I wanted to and I ended up having to run at night or whatever it was, but I still got the 10 miles in because yes. I made that contract with myself and I would have felt guilt by not going out and getting it in. I'm not saying neglect all of the things that you need to do, but I would say do your best to honor the contract with yourself. And that's one way you can become a lot stronger. Just one example. Yeah. And I, I purposely like if, during the winter time or when it's raining, I purposely go out for a run just because I know it's good as shitty conditions. And I know it's going to, it's going to be hard. Uh, I, I do that on purpose just because I know it's going to like change that neuroplasticity, uh, basically like changing, like our brain changes based on what we experience. So if I'm experiencing total hell out there, that's going to make me more mentally tough. Like when, when I'm going out for a run when it's 65 degrees and sunny out, that's, that's fucking easy. I can do that at any time. But anybody can do that. Exactly. But going out when I go out and when it's freaking zero degrees or it's rainy or it's windy and, and you're facing winds up to 50 miles an hour and it's Michigan winters are cold as shit, you know, you know, going out there and doing that is going to change. It's going to change the way uh, you perceive everything. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. And um, now, you know, that's that's exactly what it is and and so just like we can't always run when it's 60 degrees and 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 60 degrees and not humid um if you think about it when i when i train a lot of the athletes that i work with in particular um obviously the goal of any coach would be to have some specificity in there like help them feel the pain that they're going to feel in the race help them uh feel the stressors that they're going to feel during the race within reason like if somebody's running a marathon we're not going to do a 26.2 mile training run at marathon pace three weeks before so they can feel the pain of a marathon. But we have other ways of doing it, other sequences of building in workouts that are more strategic to get them to, to, to feeling that, that level of pain as it is. Um, so one thing I really like, and I'm really obsessed with, because obviously my career in leadership, like I believe that leadership is my greatest trait. It's the thing that I love more than anything. Um, and, um, so I've always looked up to, and I'm not a big like military guy by any means, but I've always looked up to Navy SEALs and special forces. And I'm, I'm so fortunate enough to, to coach a lot of, uh, different, uh, special forces, uh, athletes and things like that. And, you know, one thing I see is like just how tremendous they are as leaders and how tremendously strong they are. Um, you know, when they go through, and I was reading a story about basically a, a guy becoming a SEAL and I was reading, it was a book and this was from a while back. This was from like back in the eighties. And he, um, he talked about the things that they go through and the different training evolutions that they go through. And, and, and when I had that moment, I thought all of the athletes that I have that are going to, to, to seal, to, to, to go into selection, to go into buds, you know, um, all these different things, these people are so mentally tough and so headstrong that I'm not surprised that they succeed. And then I thought about 
if we're training the greatest leaders and warriors on earth um, by using this basic set of evolutions, then why am I not adapting that for my training? And I don't want to say what we're doing is comparable to what they're doing. I'm just saying using their model has been successful. Um, so I look at some of these training workouts as evolutions. Um, we do whatever we can to put people in the situation uh, to mimic the conditions, the stimulus, um, different things like that. So back to the example, um, you know, he said, why do I have to go out and run when it's raining? Well, like you, you can't roll up to a race one day and this is twofold. You, for the, number one, you can't roll up to a race one day and say, Hey, uh, race director, it's raining outside. Uh, so do you think we could push this bad boy back the next week when the weather would be perfect? Uh, he would laugh in your face and you'd either start the race or you wouldn't, but there's, there's going to be no changing it because you don't like the weather. So you have to be ready and able to train all weather. But two, as you said, it builds an element of toughness to be out there, um, embracing the elements, embracing the suck, uh, realizing that these things that kind of suck make you a lot stronger. And plus, doesn't it have this rewarding feeling to be like, I remember running in some of the Michigan Springs and it would be like 40 degrees out, pouring rain, sleet, snow mix, or, you know, even under 40. And I'd be out running and cars were looking at me like I was insane. They were honking. They were, you know, throwing up the the freaking heavy metal sign or whatever that is. And <laughs> the horns like the horns, I brother. Just, yeah. And I just felt I just felt like like badass, dude. Like yeah, doesn't dude. that get your confidence up to know that you can handle anything if you can get out there and, and freeze your buns off or whatever it may be or handle the heat? Yeah, dude. I remember uh, last winter I was out for a run. It was freaking snowing and blizzarding out and uh the, i was like at this park like council point park like co- coming back through the parking lot and the mailman who was delivering mail like drove into the parking lot and stopped me he's like he's like hey man you're inspiring me i'm gonna after i get off work i'm gonna go for a run i was like hell yeah dude i was like you're already like on the elements anyway you're working like you know, I was, yeah I was, like, I was like at least you're making money being out here like i'm just doing this shit to, <laughs> for fun i guess exactly and that's the thing. That strength is also contagious, man. Yeah. And it's a it's a beautiful thing. But but like that's another thing that can po- that can snowball really positively for you is if you can, uh, you know, just like I've always thought of myself in the past as being mentally weak. I think when the going got tough, I quit. I ran away. I hid. I made excuses. Playing soccer at the highest level, I faked an injury, as we know. At, at the highest level that, that we've played at Patrick on the same team, yeah. I faked an injury because I didn't feel comfortable there because it was hard. And, and you go from being the best on your team to everybody was the best on their team. You know, yeah. you go from being the captain to everybody was the captain. And that's, yeah, um, that's huge too. Creating, creating an environment with like people that that's surrounded by, you know, like-mindedness and like they're encouraging and they want to lift you up. That's I uh, I think that's yeah. huge too. And the run strong, the run strong team is fucking fantastic at that. They are. They are. And, and, you know, going back to the soccer thing, what my biggest regret was is that I didn't take that time. You know, iron sharpens iron. And I realize that now when we see that with the run strong group, um, iron sharpens iron. But I didn't, you know, I, I instead of running from it in the past, I saw myself as mentally weak and I ran from it. And I, I felt the lowest of low, but I, I've gotten mentally stronger each and every day and sharpened it, sharpened my will and sharpened my dedication to it. And, um, you know, that's, that's gone a long way for me. So this stuff is trainable. This stuff is teachable. You talk about neuroplasticity. Um, this stuff is very teachable. It's very trainable and you can become better at what you're doing. Um, you know, I want to move to the, to the, the next little, uh, the next little thing I have. So, you know, coach Holly. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> and I learned so much from him, uh, as, as a basketball coach and as my basketball coach. And I won't say that I learned, uh, 
how to control my temper properly from him (laughs) (laughs) by the example he set. But I will say there was one thing, um, and Pat, as you know, our basketball team was very good multiple seasons. We were 23 and 0 before losing a regional final state finals, things like that every year. Uh, every time we went into the varsity locker room, there was, a. the the letters ACE above the locker room. It was on our court. It was on our shirts. It was on our practice gear. It was on our cars. It was on the stuff our boosters got. It was all over our walls. It was ACE. We used to tap the banner before we'd go out before games and practices. We'd repeat it. ACE means achievement through commitment to excellence. Um, And that kind of goes back to the, you know, maybe me being committed to running 10 miles a day. I'm committed to, to, execution to excellence to getting the most out of it so if if you look at that principle and and really break it down you can achieve what you want to achieve and i truly believe this and this has changed my life and we used to preach it at basketball camps for the younger kids and i'm sure it changed their life too i really believe this you can achieve what you want as long as you maintain a steadfast commitment to excellence and I think that's the, that's the beauty of it is that it you don't know how you know short term long term whatever the goal is if you're committed to executing every part of it with excellence and you won't accept anything less than your best effort then you're going to be successful and if your goal is really big and really lofty and you miss that goal but you've been committed to the excellence and committed to the effort and committed to the execution then you're you know it's like a shoot for the moon and if you miss you land among the stars type thing yeah. um, you're still going to land up there. I disagree with that statement because this, most stars are further all stars farther than the moon. So <laughs> it it really be if you shoot for the if you shoot for the stars and you land among the moon, it was what it would really be. But um, particularly because those those stars are molten hot and they would they would obliterate you. At least on the moon, you could you could live. But I don't want to get too much into that. Um, so when you look at that, it's about doing the little things that we talk about when you want to be committed to excellence. It doesn't mean if my coach said I should go run nine miles today or cycle for an hour, then that's all I do, and then I come and I jam ho-hos into my mouth. No, it means that you eat in a way that's conducive for recovery. It means that you do things to focus on recovery. It means that you step up, uh, prioritize the things you got to do, put away the stuff that's draining your life, and and get yourself ready to go for the next day. Um I know to be successful in training, to not be beat up, that I it's it's often now, you know, in Maine, it's seventy five degrees when I wake up and ninety five percent humidity at you know six a.m. So if I wait until seven thirty to get out the door, I know I'm going to be in trouble because it's going to be in the high eighties with with still nearly one hundred percent humidity, and that's going to be hard. So what I do is I set myself up for success. I put my running shorts on and I climb into bed with my running shorts on. I wake up in the morning, throw my socks on. Uh, take my pre-workout or whatever it is. I foam roll for five or 10 minutes and I'm out the door. Um, and that's just one little simple tactic I use. And another tactic is one we always talk about. You watch an episode of Netflix, it's 22 minutes for a half hour episode, it's 22 minutes. Uh, most times, well, you can foam roll for that 22 minutes, spending two minutes on each major muscle group. It will go a long way towards your recovery. Um, you can do little things like you could invest in a in an aluminum water bottle that you like that maybe 32 ounces and drink two to three of those a day because you don't stay up on your hydration enough. It's these little things that we have to be committed to little strength trainings, the little things that aren't fun. Those are included in that commitment to access. It's not the big, sexy uh, race pace simulation workouts. It's all of those things together. All of them are important. You know, running your easy run slow enough are important. That's when you have a true commitment to excellence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And those like those little things like creating smaller, more manageable goals, like obviously you can have your long-term like big goals, but 
if you have like stepping stones, like smaller goals that you can do, it's going to build up that self-confidence. You can check that off the list. All right, boom, like did that goal uh, this week. Um, did this goal for the month. Boom, check that off. So as you're building up your self-confidence, you're going to build up your mental toughness as well. 100%. Again, that's that. That's the snowball effect that we're talking about. So, um, and when you look at it that way, you know, I have an athlete, his name's Ryan. I, I'm sure he doesn't mind if I, if I use him in this example. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, he, what can I do to be a more whole athlete? And we talk about it all the time. And he, and, he, and he dreams really big, which is beautiful, and I admire it, and I do the same thing. Um, but what he has a tendency to do is not live in the moment and then get overwhelmed by the big goal that he has. Um, I want him to dream big, but I want, him, I, want him to, I want him to think in four-year cycles, but I want him to live in four-hour cycles. You know, so right. I, w- I always say check the box off and win the day win the day, win the day. And that's become this, this kind of mantra that we've created for each other when he says, hey, I'm just winning the day. Hey, I'm checking off the box. I'm checking off my to-do list every day. So not only are we looking at a day, we're looking at a like, little to-do list too. And when he checks all those things off, he can focus on, on the here and now while knowing that he's, he's working towards a bigger why, he can focus on those little things. And that's like what you're talking about and breaking off to more manageable chunks and he doesn't get overwhelmed that way. Yeah, definitely. And I've also like what I've been doing, I've been like so I, f- I follow like a few people uh, from the Run Strong like on Instagram and like Strava and everything. And you should be following all of them. I I don't yeah. I just don't know most of them so I, or oh, a lot okay. of them. So or I will once I know them. But um, yeah, but like people like you know Kyle, Brett, or whatever. I see them working out and like, if they're posting their workouts and I see them do these like long time like. I get competitive. I get fired up. I'm like, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Kyle did fucking 15 miles the other day. Uh, Brett did 10 on Sunday. So I'm just like, dude, I'm, I should fucking just, I gotta go out and do it too. But I was like, I'm not gonna, it, it fires me up to go like, all right, well they're doing it. I can do it too. So it's, it's nice. Yes. It's nice to have all these people around you that are like putting in the work too. Cause you say it's, it's inspiring. Yeah. You're the sum of the, of the people that you absorb the most from, you know, the people you're around the most. So I would suggest that you find people that radiate uh, thing, you know, radiate happiness, radiate motivation, radiate things that you align with, and you're going to be a lot happier. You're going to be a lot more motivated. Uh, all that is, all that is beautiful. And if anybody doesn't know what we're referring to, when we're talking about, when we're talking about the run strong team. It's the, uh, it's a group of athletes that I coach a community that we have, um, so that's what we're referring to when we talk about that for the record. Um, and then, so yeah, if we move down, there's a, there's another thing I want to talk about there. You know, I was reading a book called a while back called the brave athlete um, rise to the occasion. And it effectively goes through uh, a really high level. I believe he was educated at Cambridge PhD and um, his wife, who was a professional triathlete. And now she is a coach. Um, she wasn't very competitive by nature, so she didn't have that killer instinct, that Michael Jordan killer instinct, if you will, um, in sports. And she always had a trouble separating herself. Like if I'm super competitive, then I won't be a good person. So what she did is she developed an alter ego for when she's competing. Hers was like Patty McGinnis or something, this Irish boxer who was mean. So like whatever she would do, she developed this alter ego. She would transform into this person. Um, you know, for however long the competition was and she could just kind of separate herself and step away and kind of have an out-of-body experience and just let this competitive person take over in a guilt-free sense. Um, and I think that's really good. That's really something that's interesting. Like, you know, I was having trouble because I've made such an intentional step away from being extremely competitive. Like I want to win everything I do still. I just want to dial it back down. Um, you know, and um, so I was like, man, I wish I could, channel some of you know conor mcgregor's confidence man yeah you know <laughs> yeah um 
and so that's what I just started doing. I started saying, you know what, like I'm going to be like Conor McGregor when I step onto the race course. And when I, when I cross the line, then I'm going to go back to being Mark Bonhorn and, and, and I'm going to be, if I win, I'm going to be really graceful. If I lose, I'm going to be, um, really gracious and give credit where credit's due. I'm not going to like it. I will tell you that. I'll tell you one thing, you, you know, you, they always say you should be a, you should be a good winner and you should not be a poor, a poor loser, you know, a poor sport. Yeah. Show me somebody who's a good loser and I'll show you a good fucking loser because anybody who, who enjoys losing like that's competitive and is set out to win. And this, I'm not talking about for the, for the average person who's racing against themselves and racing for competitive. Of course, I'm talking about somebody who's at the highest level um, competing, like maybe like playing soccer, like we were show me somebody that takes losing well, and I'll show you somebody who I don't want to be my teammate, but it's within reason, right? I want, I didn't, instead of saying like making excuses, I want the person who's going to say, okay, this is what I did wrong. I want to taking ownership for this and I want to get better. That's how, that's how I like to lose. I like to learn from it. Yeah. Um, but I'm never happy, but I'm never happy about it. Right. No, no, no. I mean, obviously it can, it can all be a learning experience, but to say like losing's like, okay. And I'm like, Oh, I'm fine. That was, that was okay. It's just like, no man, like that sucked. That sucked ass. Like obviously I'm going to learn from it, but it's okay to recognize that, that it, it, it sucked ass. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of the time where, where you and I were, I don't know, our team lost at something, right. And, and something we were doing um, like some kind of, like if you get scored on your team was off and the uh, you and I were arguing about something that happened on the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some, we miscommunicated about something and we were yelling at each other, walking off the field. And this guy like on the other team came over and thought he was going to, thought he was going to get us like instigate more between us. And he came over and said something to us and we both immediately turned to him and just basically told him to F off like in unison. <laughs> and he was shocked. And, we, and then we went back to doing what we were doing. Like, you're not going to rattle us. That's a good try. That's how we talk to each other. Yeah. And I just thought like, that's a thing. Like, like, you know, we weren't, we were, we were, we were absolutely pissed off that we lost, but we acknowledged that we, that one of us made the mistake there and we were going to fix it. Yeah. Um, that's, so, yeah, that's, so that's what I like. Yeah, like obviously, like I mean, it was a team sport, so we're gonna have disagreements. And like, yeah, we were we were fired up, and but like, first of all, we're friends. We'll be friends first, but then we can we can argue and and blame who whatever, and then and then we'll just learn from it. And when then we went on and we started and we won. Like, I don't think we lost the the rest of the night. No, we didn't lose the rest of the night, and that's the that's the beauty of it. You correct what's wrong and I can handle criticism and you can handle criticism. We've been telling each other to f off most of our lives, so you and I can handle that. And yeah. um. You know, so anyway, I, I took on this Conor McGregor uh, mentality, and so I got to my race, my most recent race, the the thirty fifty four k, and I uh, got to my most recent race, and and never been on these trails before. I did my warm up on the road. I didn't talk to anybody. I had headphones in. Uh, really, nobody. You know, nobody was there. I I then this is my first race in Texas. Uh, I waited till about a minute before the race was about to start, and it was about to start. I took my jacket off tied my shoes up tighter. I walked right to the front of the line. Like I own the line. Like, I mean, I always go to the front too, but usually I go up there and talk and tell everybody good luck. I went there. I didn't say a word to anybody. Um, I saw the guy who won last year, you know, who won the rattle run, won a ticket to Leadville, did really well at Leadville, beat David Goggins. I, and so I knew he was going to be the main person I was racing against. I didn't say a word to him. Um, act like I didn't care. Went out on the race. I was talking to him. Um, you know, and I, and I, and I found out where he was weak. I found out like the situations he was weak and I amplified them. 
Um, I knew he was having trouble like uh, on a lot of the hills, like pushing uphill. So every time we got to the hill, I pushed uphill and mashed harder. And with it being a 30, almost a 30, 33 and a half mile race, like I would have liked to stay longer with somebody. Um, but I didn't want him to hang around because I knew he was really good with the longer distance races. So I just put my killer instinct down and I channeled that Conor McGregor. And I said, you know what? On these hard hills, I'm going to drop them. So, you know, I said, hey, um, let's try to stay together and work together. And he said, yeah, I'm good with that. And he said, can we, we're going to dial it back on the uphills because we're making it up on the downhills. And I said, uh, and I said, oh no, we need to charge the uphills. We've got to charge the uphills. And every time we hit an uphill, I said, we got to charge this uphill. And I ended up gapping him and dropping him. And I never saw him again. Um, and he dropped out and I can like, he, we're friends, but now, but I completely demoralized him. You know, yeah. And uh, I was like, "Wow, mission accomplished! It worked." I crossed the finish line. I said hi to everybody. I waited for him to pass. I hung out till the awards and all that stuff. Uh, and I was completely back to myself. And I said, "This separation is something that's really good. So if you can develop that kind of alter ego and step out of your body, I think that's a really effective thing to do." Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know. I know. Like when I first moved to North Carolina, uh, I didn't. I was just kind of getting used to everything, and I was just like, "Well, like." I was trying to find, like, if there's any, like, soccer leagues or whatever. So I ended up just, like, joining a random league. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're new in town and you don't know anyone, you're kind of just showing up and doing stuff by yourself, especially, like, this, like, team sport thing. Uh, I just joined a random team. And I was like, man, I don't know. I was, like, nervous. I was, like, anxious because it's, like, I don't know how good these people are. I don't know what kind of league it's going to be like. I didn't know anything. So I kind of just got to just, just dive in, I guess. And uh, that's what so we talk about that neuroplasticity. You just just do it, and then you're going to change. You're going to alter your your brain state uh, based on your experiences. So you can just get used to it. Um, so I just go in and speaking of being competitive and like challenging, or it's like going to that Conor McGregor mode. <laughs> like I was, I showed up there, warmed up, met the team, you know, did whatever. Then the other team looked pretty good. Um, so the, I remember I was like, all right, the first thirty seconds, I got to like show them like how, that I'm pretty good. And the first, like, the first, like, minute, this dude got a ball, and I, like, put in, like, a pretty hard challenge into him. Um, and he was like, dude, what the heck, man? This is just for fun. I was like, well, that's why you're going to lose tonight, man. Like, <laughs> like I'm, yeah. so, I, I'm sorry, but, like, uh, I mean, I, I get competitive, too. And, like, and obviously, I don't want to, like, go out there and, like, hurt anyone. But I got – I just feel like sometimes you just have to be more competitive. Like you said, you – you you mashed him up on, on, on the uphill because you knew what was going to do. So I remember, like, kind of singling this guy out. Like, all right, well, he doesn't even really care if he wins or loses. So I'm just going to try to like, go by him and go by him every time. And that's what happened. And we ended up winning, like, like three or four or zero or something like that. Because yeah. I, I was out there to do – to have I, was, I had a goal. I wanted to, I wanted to win. I wanted to, like, like, build some chemistry with my team. And that's what we did, and we won. Yeah, and you set the precedent, too, that you're going to go out, you're going to lead by example, and it's going to be some hard-nosed soccer. And that's that's what you're going to do. And, and you set the precedent, and you set the, you set the example, and that you dictated the game because you came out and imposed your will. Um, so that's, that's like it is with anything. And that doesn't have to be in a race. That doesn't have to be against other people. You can right. go into the gym and say, I'm going to impose my will right now. Yeah. Um, and, and then you can completely transform and take over and, and get through that Metcon you have to do, get through that speed workout you have to do. And that's the beauty of it. Um, you know, I want to go to another thing. And, and this was basketball again, different coach. Um, 
this was uh, his name was Coach Mo, and at the beginning of the season, we all got our we all got our jersey numbers, and um, I was number three. Uh, sorry, I was number four, and um, I remember we always used to have to say this thing. We left a lot when we came into the locker room to get our gear. When when we left at night, we used to have to say, and I used to hate this, and we used to have to say employee number. I would say employee number four clocking in for business or clocking in for work or whatever. And like the first few times we did it, I'd mock him. I was like, okay, coach, employee number four is here. Um, or say <laughs> something like snarky, yeah. like, are you, are yeah. you going to pay me? You know? Um, and then I realized like when you treat something that you love, like you're clocking into work, like it's a job, you're going to be a lot more successful. And by the time that season was over, every, you know, Every one of my teammates were all in it together, except for Richard and Alex, who would get into fistfights frequently, Richard Rack in, in the uh, <laughs> locker. Um, everybody was in it together, man. And, you know, the, we started taking pride in saying that employee number four clocking in today and going out and hitting those elbow jumpers, working on those repertoire things. And that something that really shaped my life, too, because now I feel like when I wake up out of bed and I'm in those running shorts, I'm clocking in for work. And my job is the first task of my day or the first project I got to work on is going out and getting that 10 to 15 mile run in on a Monday. Okay. Yeah. And then I come home and execute the other parts of my job. And then I'm filling out my after action report at night. And that's it. That's employee number four clocking out. You know, I don't say that anymore, but it's a, but it's ingrained into my head. Right. It's ingrained into my head. Um, So that's, that's another tactic. And then, you know, a really good, a really good thing to think about is, when you're pushing yourself in, in these races, in these workouts and you're hurting, um, you know, you can create a mantra to help get you through it. Um, you can do things that are distractive, such as count to 10 and then count back down to zero, count to 10 and count back down to zero. And as I told you in that, in that 54 K race, when we did the race recap, um, there were times where I was like, okay, I just need to put more time on them. So I was like, if I just run hard for three more minutes, I can take one minute off of a, of an easier run. You know, or if I just do one more minute hard, I can do one more minute easy. Like I know I got time on it. Um, and what I would do is I would, I would, I would start counting in my head for that one minute hard, one minute easy. And by the time I would, I would just go one, two, three, four, five, you know, 10, and then all the way back and all the way back yeah, and all the yeah. way back and go A, B, C, D, you know, whatever it was. By the time I would look, I'm, I'm five, six, seven minutes further into the race. Yeah. Still charging forward. Um, and so that your body, it, it's really hard for your body to anticipate, um, or, or to, to, I guess, report pain and, and a distraction at the same time, uh, for lack of a better word, I'm not a psychologist. So what you can do is kind of distract yourself to take away from the pain. Um, so that's, that's a, you know, one thing you can do, or, you know, one thing that I always do is, you know, I was listening to a podcast with Johnny Kim, who is, uh, as I was telling you about, he's a Navy SEAL, um, went on to be a Harvard honors graduate from medical school to be a doctor and now as an astronaut. So like we're talking like one of the most yeah. high achieving people on earth. Like oh, it yeah. gives me anxiety. I'm like, holy crap, am I I'm not doing enough. And um, you know, one thing he said was there was this breaking point when he was in Hell Week of Navy SEALs and um so many people had made it through and they get a two hour nap at one point and he was going to, you know, they were all asleep in a warm bed and the instructors would wake you up by whispering in your ear and whisper, get in the surf to you um, in a really calm, soft voice, kind of like, you know, like get in the surf. It's okay. You yeah. know? And um, they do that until you woke up and you're only on two hours of sleep. Like, 
you know, four days into this thing and you have to go sit in the cold surf of the, of, of, of the frigid South Pacific and um, get sand, you know, rashes all over your body. And these people are already four days into hell week and people, and you have the option to stay in your warm bed if you want to, but if you do, you fail. Yeah. And you'd be surprised at the amount of people that would just stay in their warm bed and fail. Yeah. Um, but not Johnny Kim. When he said get in the surf, he had a smile on his face and he wouldn't get in the surf. I mean, when you're telling me there's only two days left, you can't break me if you've come that far, right? right. And that's what and that's what he was saying. And he would smile and get in that surf. And now that I, this sounds really stupid, and again, I'm not making the equivalence of of what they do and and what I do. Um, but I've again adapted it for my own training and my own personal training. And now when I'm hurting really late in a workout, these workouts are making me stronger. These workouts are making me be able to race better. These workouts are bringing me closer to my goals, but they hurt. My arms are heavy. They're, they're burning my legs. My chest feels like I can't go anymore. I can't fight the wind anymore. Got another uphill. And when I really start to hurt, I start telling myself to get in the surf. And I just say it to myself, right? And I just say, get in the surf, get in the surf, get in the surf. And I say it until I, until, until like, if I got, you know, the most recently I, I did eight times one K, uh, starting at five forty pace, working down to five ten pace, five Oh eight pace. So on the last one, five Oh eight pace in the kilometer. And I wasn't even in my off paces. I was running at six thirty pace. So I was running steady. And so five Oh eight pace for the last K, uh, into the wind, into the Texas humidity. Uh, I was two minutes in. So that means I only have about 70, 70 seconds left. And I was saying, get in the surf, get in the surf. Like you've come this far, you've come this far through this workout. You're, you're, you're more than seven and a half kilometers into this workout. You know, you have like a half K left to go. You have 70, not even, you have 70 seconds, 75 seconds left. Like you've come this far. You're not going to give up now. You came here to make yourself hurt, get in the surf, get in the surf, get in the surf. And then, you know what? Like I was like, I can do, I got another minute. I got two more minutes. I got three more minutes if I need to, to be realistic. And it was no problem. And I finished that workout. I went to that yeah. lifeline that I needed. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah, that, that's that's like speaking that mantra. I mean, that's what I that's what I do when it's tough. Like I I'll I'll even I'll yell out loud to myself. And it was great. Like during like the the Spartan races and everything like that. Because I would do I would say my mantra and like yell it out loud and look like a like total crazy person. But luckily, most of the people who do Spartan stuff are are pretty crazy anyway. So it's just like a normal thing. But different breed, brother. Yeah, different straight breed. Straight up. But if like I'm just running, if I'm just like like uh, going into the bank on my workout like here in Detroit, and I'm just like sitting there. Well, I guess it's kind of normal. People be screaming out here all the time. So, but. I'll just be like, yeah. I'll just be yelling out loud to myself, like, you know, like PMA all day or just like scream like, like you, you bad motherfucker or whatever. And whatever it is I'm, I'm feeling, it, it motivates you to do more and go into that bank and just keep pushing. Yes. Yes. You always, you always have a little bit more. And when you can do, find something like this to pull just a little bit more out of you to finish that strong, you build confidence. You build the foundation necessary to be effective physically as well. Uh, so that's that's so great. And you can find a way to pull more out of yourself by doing something like that. Um, yeah, and that's that's, uh, know, that's exactly what I mean, we were talking about, like, uh, like, like people in the Navy, like Chad Wright on the Rich Roll podcast talked about how we just didn't give that negativity or, the, or that pain, pain of voice. As soon as you give that pain a voice, it starts to snowball, and you're gonna it's gonna just breathe that negativity. But you just like think, do that positive, and you do your mantra, or whatever, and you don't give that negativity or that pain a voice. It's not there. No, exactly. Are you cold? No, you're not cold. You're in the sauna. Yeah, you're in the sauna. Um, so that's that's what's. I think that's something that's 
just paramount. If you're able to do that, you're going to get so much better results. So I, I really think that's one of the most effective tips and um, soon would be a good time to start wrapping this up. But I, I do want to say if, you know, we live in a situation and, and I'm, and I'm running. Okay. So like to be really good, you have to toe the line between kind of like insane and, and normal. And you have to toe the line between training really hard and overtraining. Um, and pushing your limits and finding them. Okay. And sometimes I might say things that are controversial uh, on this podcast or that people don't agree with. I'm not too bad with it um, because I share pretty moderate views on things, but I will say this. We live in a culture right now that's really self-forgiving. That's really, really kind to yourself, really positive movement, that type of stuff. And I think that's great. And I think that's something that was missing uh, potentially when I, even as short as when I was growing up. But I will say this, you aren't going to get anywhere by babying yourself, okay? So I want every single person listening to this to go all in to their goals and go all in and have no excuses and more importantly, take complete ownership of the process. Um, you know, it's, it's okay sometimes to miss a workout just because you're not mentally feeling it. But at the end of the day, the only way you're going to get better is is to get out there and get it done. And so sometimes it takes a little bit of reality um, and to be real with yourself and, and to own this and take pride in it and to also say, hey, I'm not doing a good enough job. It doesn't mean you're a piece of shit because you're not doing a good enough job. But it's okay to acknowledge that you're not doing a good enough job. I do it on a daily basis. Right. Um, and so sometimes, like, you know, I think um, my dad – my dad didn't let me grow up in an environment that in which I'd be coddled my mom or dad. And as you know, my dad's relentless. Oh yeah. He's, he's one of still to this day, one of the most annoying men on the planet. And he has a way of easily, he has a way of breaking you down if you let him. And so when I grew up, I had no choice, but, but not to be, but not to be weak. And and now I thank him for that. I, I, I really thank God that he didn't let me, you know, come home from football practice and, and cry about how I didn't want to be there for two hours in the blazing hot sun in the summer. Um, you know, you take ownership of what you do, you finish what you start and, and, and all everybody listening to this podcast right now is listening because they want to be better. They all have goals. We all have goals. We all have something. Remember we started the school and we're going to finish what we start. And I want everybody to come along and, 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 and we're going to push the limits and, and, and aim real high, but you got to take ownership. Got to be real with yourself. Is there something uh, that you're doing that you could change. And if there is, don't get mad at yourself. It's okay. Change it tomorrow though. Put it in your report, change it tomorrow. If you don't make a physical report like Pat does make a mental report, take a mental inventory, put it in there tomorrow. Be tenacious, be gritty, be tough. Have Patrick's Detroit work ethic, you know, be, be employee number four and be ready to clock into business. You know what I mean? Even though, you know, get ready, get ready to, to take on this workout that you've been scared of, even though, you know, you're going to get your ass kicked because you know, you're going to come out better out of the other side. And you know, like the more of those you do, the less that can break you. Um, be ready to, to accomplish things through your commitment to being excellent in every facet that you do. Um, if you, if you make excellence a priority, positive things will come into your life. Um, you know, create, create a mantra. If you have to use it repeatedly, um, 
absorb the alter ego if you have to, whatever it is. But know that when you're hurting in a race, know that when you're hurting in a workout, know that when you're hurting in a Metcon, know that when you're when you don't want to study anymore for your final exam or you don't want to write any more of that paper, know that you got one more sentence in you. Know that you got one more minute of pain. You can endure one more lap. You can get stronger. You got Everybody's got one more in them. Everybody's got one more. It was one more rep, one more lap, one more sentence, you know, one more flashcard, whatever it is. You got one more, and I, and, I, and, I, and I implore everybody to dig in deep and pull it out of you because you got it in there, and, and that will help you. Be all in. Have the all in mentality. Oh yeah, man. That that is a beautiful place to wrap up. All right, man. Until next time, everybody, stay strong, go all in, accomplish your goals, be committed to excellence. Love you all. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Finding Strong Podcast. As always, if this episode brought you value, um, please like, share, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, share us on Instagram, tell the world about us. Thanks again, and stay strong.